The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. The first story took place a number of years ago in Yerushalayim. There was a young man, we'll call him Mark. Mark Winter, his name was changed. This story you could find in Visions of Greatness from Rabbi Weiss on volume 8, page 189. He says this story with Mark Winter, his name was changed. Mark was about tshuva. And someone told him that Mark, the perfect place for you, if you ever want to make Aliyah, would be Torah in Yerushalayim, Keriyat Matestorf. You'll have Rav Chaim Pechashaiver, one of the Gedolei Ador, American born and English speaking Gadol, and he understands the American psyche very well. He'd be perfect for you to get close to. So Mark and his wife, after his Chose Betshuva, decided to make Aliyah. So Mark being a good Talmud, he decided he's going to accept Rav Scheinberg as his Rav. Now, what was very interesting about this, I believe it intimates from this book, is that Mark was not that much younger than Rav Scheinberg. It seems like he was an elderly gentleman already. That's what it sounds like. Because you understand, it seems like there was a struggle for him to accept what Rav Scheinberg told him. You'll see why in a second. He came to Rav Scheinberg and told him, I'd like to join the Kolel and retire. Rav Scheinberg said, oh, that's wonderful. We'd love to have you. What's your background? He tells him his background. Okay, you seem like a serious person. We're interested in having you as well. Mark, tell me, what did you do before you were Chazer B'tshuva? So Mark told him he was in a certain industry. I'm not exactly sure what it was. And this industry was quite lucrative. And in order for him to be Chazer B'tshuva, he basically had to sell off his company and all his assets to be able to make Aliyah. And he, lived, he was planning on living a very meager existence in Eretz Yisrael. And he was just going to basically set off as the sun would set and go off into Olam Abba in the Yerushalayim in Eretz Yisrael. So the story goes is that he sold everything off and he basically had around sixty to $70,000 in savings. This is not including the purchase price of the apartment and him to be able to make Aliyah. But he had around sixty to $70,000 in savings. He comes to Rav Scheinberg and he tells him this whole story. Rav Scheinberg asked him, so what is it that you did? He told him what he did. He told him his whole story. Rav Scheinberg's thing. He says, tell me, Mark, in all those years that you were employed, and it seems like it was a quite a lucrative business, did you ever give Maaser? Looks at Rav Scheinberg. Maaser? I wasn't religious. I didn't know anything. I didn't know about Shabbat, Yom Tov, Hagim. I knew nothing. <laughs> Maaser? It's Taka. He said, yeah. Did you give me any Taka? Listen, Rabbi, I wasn't thinking about Taka at that time. And he said, okay, so make a cheshbon. How much do you think you owe? So he says, okay, Rabbi, give me a shiva, give me a few days. I'll come back. Came back with a cheshbon, and it was around $50,000 of pure profit of ma'asad that he failed to give over the course of all those years. So Rav Shaimah looks at him and goes, Mark, you know what you need to do. And he's like, shiva, excuse me, but I don't know if the shiva's aware. I sold everything. I bought an apartment. Me and my wife are not young people. We don't plan on living luxuriously. We have fifty. We have whatever. We have uh, sixty to seventy thousand dollars that we have. Fifty thousand dollars. That's that's uh, that's almost everything that we have. That's our entire nest egg that we have. What are we going to do? Rabshamik said, "You have to give maaser. You must do that." So he accepted this lesson that when a gadol tells you to do something, even though it seems very difficult. You understand, Shmuel Bidoro, this is what my Gadol tells me, and I'm going to accept it wholeheartedly. So what did Mark do? Mark realized if he took off all 50,000 in one shot, there's no way, I mean, the shock 
for him and his wife to live so frugally would be so great. He knew that wouldn't be able to do anything for them. It would be it would actually be quite harmful. So he decided was he was going to do it piecemeal. So first he took off twenty-eight thousand dollars and immediately gave it away. He said, "Okay, this is good. Twenty-eight. Got another twenty-two to go." Then something came up, and I'll make a long story short, a nest happened. He was able to get ten thousand here and there. Something came up with this and that, that, that. So he was able to give another ten thousand. So he's thirty-eight thousand. So, and he says to himself, "I got to give twelve more thousand dollars for what Rav Shimon asked me." Going back and forth, should he do it? Should he not? Uh, uh, uh. He says, "You know what? It's right before the shana, like during how much during these weeks." He says, "You know, what? it's right before the shana. What greater zechut I could have than I be like a Yitzchak Avino, that I stretch out my neck and say, take me for korban meolah. I'm willing to be self-sacrificing for you, Akadosh Baruch And with that, he wrote out a check for twelve thousand dollars to other maaser and other organizations that were around the Eretz Yisrael. He had a total of fifty thousand dollars within the span of a few weeks, so that way you can come to Rosh Hashanah with an unbelievable gift to HaKadosh Baruch Listening to Dat Torah. Listen to this story. After he wrote his check, he's going through his mail, and suddenly he sees an envelope. In this envelope, it's from a cousin that he was kind of close with, not really that religious, a cousin that he always had a good relationship with, and cousin wrote to him every now and then, and he wrote on the back, Wishing you the best in the Holy Land. So he opens up the letter, and he's very surprised. There he reads his cousin writing to him, saying how impressed and how proud he is of him making the sacrifice to come to the Holy Land. He knows it's not easy. He's spoken to many people about that before, especially at such advanced age. So the cousin said, I would like to be a part of your mitzvah, and I would like for you to please accept this gift in honor of Shana. And what was it for? $12,000. And not only was it $12,000, he got another gift from some other relative for another $10,000. So he's now 22 up. Okay? He gave 50 and he's 22 up within the span of a few days. He's like literally making back his money. And then, a day before Rosh Hashanah, at Rosh Hashanah, he gets a phone call from a friend of his. It was an old friend of his that worked in the company, whatever that company was. And it seems like since he was the, 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 the brains behind the whole operation, a company in Los Angeles found out about him and found out that he was now living in Israel. And they got in touch with his friend and told him, tell your friend that we want to use his ingenious invention, whatever it might be, for their company and they'll pay him a royalty. Or if he wants, he can get the money up front. So his friend told him, listen, he's like, Mark, I don't know about you, but I would take whatever they're giving up front because you never know, companies come, they go, just take the money up front. So this friend was telling him about this company, he should reach out to them. He called the company up and they told him, okay, sir, we would like to buy your idea. How much are you willing to sell for it? He says, listen, I don't know, I mean, you tell me, what's the price of it? He says, well, we're actually a multi-billion dollar company and we really like the idea that you have. So we're going to give you $135,000. $135,000. Wow. He was not expecting that. All because he extended himself just a little bit. HaKadosh Baruch says, take it right back. Not only take it right back. Kifle kiflaim. I'm going to give you much more. I'm going to give you triple what you gave. You give me 50, I'm going to give you 150 plus. I'm going to give you much more than that. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always testing us because he wants to give us. Think of a mashal. Imagine, imagine you are an adult and you see a little child and you go over to the little child and give the little child a gift. And you see that little child go over to other little kids and start sharing with them. What would you do with that little kid? You'd give them more. This is an amazing child. That's a gizbar, that's someone that I, a trustee that I feel comfortable giving benevolence to because they're a benevolent person. You want to have benevolence in your life? Give benevolently. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.